it's the first institution established by God, marriage is a timeless act of devotion we must treasure. Listen to Adrian Rogers. We're told that America has gone through a sexual revolution. Devolution is a better word than revolution. I can remember when air was clean and adultery was dirty, can't you? Times have changed in America, but God's Word has not changed. The message today is a serious message and a needful message, treasuring marital fidelity. Welcome to Love Worth Finding, featuring the real truth of the gospel which never changes. Pastor, teacher, and author Adrian Rogers said, Marriage is not old-fashioned, out of date, or obsolete. It is a plan of God, a plan divine in creation. God has put marriage in the hearts and minds of people. Regardless of the tragic failures of past generations, the desire for marriage is born anew in every generation. In Matthew 19, Jesus urges us to remain faithful to one another. If you have your Bible, turn there now as Adrian Rogers gives insight on treasuring marital fidelity. Now, there's several things I want you to notice as we look into God's Word about treasuring marital fidelity. The very first thing I want you to see with me today is the provision of the married life. It is a plan of God. It is a plan divine in creation. Look in verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he that made them at the beginning made them male and female? Marriage is the first institution ordained of God. Marriage came before laws. Marriage came before civilization. Marriage came before government. Marriage even came before a system of worship and the church. It is the primary the primary institution of Almighty God. And regardless of the tragic failures of the past our generation, the hope, the desire for marriage is born anew in every generation because it is something that God Almighty has put in the hearts and minds and constitution of people. Jesus said, What God hath therefore joined together, let not man put asunder. And the ultimate authority of marriage rests with God and not with man or society. That's the plan. Now, the priority. Marriage is supreme above any other earthly commitment. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Parents, are not the supreme commitment. We are to honor our parents, but the Bible teaches that a man is to leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife. That means that the purse strings and the apron strings are to be cut. Children are not the prime commitment. We are to love our children and care for our children. But you make a tragic mistake if you're a wife and you pour all of that devotion into those children and not into your husband because the children sooner or later are going to leave the home. Mate to mate is a higher relationship in the Bible than child to parent. That's what God's Word teaches. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. The business life is not the supreme commitment. Many of you are in danger of sacrificing your home on the altar of your business. 
Many business people today are expected to give that supreme loyalty to their business. One man was told by his company that he had to transfer and go to another place. His wife thought that would be terribly upsetting. He said, well, she'll just have to get used to it. If she wants to stay with me, he said, she ought to realize that my job is important. I can always find another wife. You know, it's a strange thing. I didn't mean that to be funny. But a little murmur went through. Because, you see, that, that was too close to reality. That was too close to reality. I can always find another wife. We think that a man is a success if he has a divorce at 28, an ulcer at 31, a cardiac at 45, and a big job. Think of the plan. Think of the priority. Think of the permanence of marriage. Look, if you will, in verse 6. Wherefore there are no more twain but one flesh, and what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. One man for one woman, till death do them part. At a national conference and a symposium said, let's just face facts. I suppose we will just have to allow our young people to have two or three marriages before they settle down. God forgive, God forbid our throwaway marriages. One man for one woman till death do them part. That is the permanence. What is the product of marriage? One flesh. Nothing more beautiful. Nothing more intimate. A man and a wife are like a violin and a bow. One is inadequate and incomplete apart, but together they make wonderful music. Over here on a mountaintop, is a little rivulet, a little stream that begins to trickle down. Over here in a distant mountain, there bubbles up from a spring another little rivulet, and it begins to trickle down, and these take all kinds of courses coming down the mountainside. And then those two rivulets meet, and the water intermingles, and then from then on they become one stream. How that's like marriage. This and this become one flesh. Now, don't get the idea that holy matrimony is some sort of a, um, a penalty. We talk about a monogamous marriage, and some say, oh, that's a monotonous marriage. They think of holy wedlock as deadlock. But you see, friend, God's plans are for your good and your welfare. God loves you. The Lord thy God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. When God says thou shalt not, he's saying don't hurt yourself. When God says thou shalt, he's saying help yourself to happiness. Incidentally, a survey has recently been done and commissioned by the Family Research Council and this is what that council found. Listen to this. People most likely to report that they're very satisfied with their current sex life are married people who strongly believe that sex outside of marriage is wrong. Now listen. People who keep God's laws concerning sex as a rule enjoy more sex and enjoy sex more 
than those who break God's laws. The poll found out that 72% of these married traditionalists, that is one man for one woman till death do them part, 72% of these married traditionalists reported sexual satisfaction. This was 31% higher than unmarried non-traditionalists. I'm telling you that God has a wonderful plan for you. And it operates best according to instructions. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife to the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not the one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. What does all of that mean? That means, friend, that God gave us sex not only for procreation, but God gave us sex for fellowship, communion, joy, comfort, mutual love. In the Bible, when a husband and wife would come together sexually, the Bible would use this phrase, thus and such a person knew his wife. What does that mean? It means that sex is a form of communication that cannot be put into words. It is a way of saying, I love you, that you cannot say any other way. Listen to me. When God has said in His holy Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not commit adultery, and when God has said in the epistles, Flee fornication, God is not trying to keep sex from you. God is keeping sex for you. You see, sex is a wonderful, beautiful gift of God. And so when God says, Thou shalt not commit adultery, it is because the married thing is so wonderful that God does not want you to adulterate it. If you had a Rembrandt or a Van Gogh, chances are you wouldn't have that hanging in your family room wall. It would be in a vault somewhere. And God has protected this thing of sex because it is so intrinsically beautiful and wonderful. And when God says, Thou shalt not, He is not negative concerning the sexual life. He is very positive concerning sex rightfully given. So sex is like the sod in your yard. It's beautiful there. Take a shovel full and put it on your living room floor and it's just dirt. In its place it is right. Out of its place it is so wrong. So that brings me to the second thing. First of all, I've talked to you about the provision of a married life. Have you not read that God who made them in the beginning made them male and female? Now I want to talk to you about the pollution of the married life. Look in verses 7 through 9. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication, that word means sexual immorality, and shall marry another committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. What is our Lord saying? Our Lord is saying that adultery is a sin that pollutes the married life. To adulterate means to make impure. And again, God does not want you to make impure something that is so pure and so wonderful. When a man or woman commits adultery, what kind of a sin do they commit? Let me tell you what kind of a sin. First of all, they sin against themselves. They sin against their own body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, the Bible says, Flee 
fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. That means there's something absolutely unique about the sin of immorality. There is no sin more harmful spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally than the sin of adultery. It is unique in all of the list of sins. Monogamous marriage, one man for one woman, was given by God, the Creator, for the protection and the development of the deepest psychological, physical, and spiritual needs of humanity. Marital fidelity is the glue that holds the family together, and the family is the core of society. The family has been established to provide for love, physical care, social, and spiritual development of the children, and marital fidelity is the glue that holds that unit together. Now you can understand why Satan has leveled his fiery darts against the home through sexual immorality. Thirdly, not only does the man sin against himself or the woman against himself, the adulterer sins against his or her own self, they sin against the home, it's also a sin against the church. If you're a member of this church, you're committing adultery. You're sinning against me and against every other member because we are in this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the temple of God dwelleth in you? If any man destroy the temple of God, him shall God destroy. We're in it together. The context of this verse speaks of immorality. And Paul is saying, how can you commit immorality and so sin against the body of Christ? Adultery is a sin against the church. Adultery is a sin against this nation. Adultery is an act of treason. It hurts every one of us. Listen to Proverbs 13, verse 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Ah, but listen to this. Adultery is a sin against the Lord. Adultery is a sin against Almighty God. It is a clenched fist in the face of God. When David committed adultery, he rightly said in Psalm 51, verse 4, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Why? Because God has said without stutter or stammer, in the book of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Adultery shows contempt and disrespect for Almighty God. When you commit adultery, you break both God's law and God's heart because God is a loving God, but He is a holy God. You can be absolutely certain that God will judge the sin of adultery. Now here's the third thing I want to say. And I want to get on a happier note. And that is the preservation of the married life. God has given us a plan. Look again in verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Let me give you six words that begin with the letter D, just as a memory device. To help you to get your marriage tracking and to keep it tracking. To keep yourself pure. The first one is decision. Decision. Make a decision that you're going to live for God. Now God will not force His will upon you. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. 
Give your heart to the Lord. God is not going to force himself upon you. Give your life to Christ. Number two, dependence. It is not enough to decide because you do not have the strength. He is able to deliver you if you will trust him. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear. Thirdly, devotion. Begin to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and love your wife as yourself. Love with a supernatural love. After this decision and after this dependence, let God pour his love through you. You are to love your wife, not if you feel like it, but because God commands it, husbands, love your wives. Women are to be taught to love their husbands. And a love for your mate comes out of a love for Almighty God primarily. My wife does not mind being second place in my life. She knows that because Jesus Christ is first in my life, I love her with a love I could not love her with had Jesus Christ not been first in my life. Fourthly, development. Continue to feed your love from day to day. You must nurture your love. Love is not like an exquisite gem, like a diamond that you have and hold and look at and treasure as it sparkles with its beauty to be possessed. Love is a growing thing. It's more like a flower that needs to be cultivated. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be protected. And its full beauty can be developed through life. Gentlemen, learn to flirt. Learn to flirt, but not with any other woman, just the girl you're married to. Keep that flirtation going through all of your life. Never call the waitress sweetheart. Honey, she's not your sweetheart. You've got one sweetheart, just one. Never call somebody else dear or darling. They're not your dear. They're not your darling. There is one who needs to know beyond the shadow of any doubt, she is sweetheart. She is darling. She is number one. And develop that love and keep it growing. Next, discipline. Discipline. Guard your company. 27 times at least in the New Testament we're told to run. Flee fornication. Don't put yourself in bad company. Don't watch garbage. You wouldn't put garbage in your mouth, would you? Why put garbage in your mind? When I was in college, I kept on my desk a motto that said this, he who would not fall down ought not to walk in slippery places. Keep yourself clean. Keep yourself pure. Watch what you set before your eyes. There needs to be a discipline. And generally, if you're disciplined in other areas of life, in your sleep and in your diet, you'll find it more natural to be disciplined in your sexual life also. Number six, determination. Determination. I mean just get it settled once and for all. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a maid. The psalmist said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. Just absolutely determined. You know, when I go away to a hotel or a motel or somewhere, I don't have to make up my mind every time whether I'm going to watch filth in that hotel. 
I, I don't make a lot of little decisions. I don't make up my mind whether or not I'm going to consort with somebody else. I've already made up my mind. One big decision will take care of a lot of little decisions. Just make up your mind. That doesn't mean that you do it in arrogance. That doesn't mean that you're not depending upon the Lord. I've already talked about that when I talked about decision and dependence and devotion. But there needs to be a determination to say, by the grace of God, I will be pure. I will be clean. My heart is fixed, O oh God, trusting in Thee. And friend, it will be worth it. Now you say, Pastor Rogers, I wish I'd have heard this message five years ago, ten years ago. I failed. Yes, but God is a God of grace. God is a God of forgiveness. When that passage over there in 1 Corinthians says that whoremongers shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven, it goes on to say, and such were some of you. Don't you love that? Such were some of you. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from how much? All, all iniquity. And what God has called clean, let no man call unclean. Oh, I'm not trying to minimize the sin when I say that, but I am maximizing the grace. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is that woman taken in adultery. Jesus said to her, does no man condemn you? She said, no man, Lord. And he said, nor do I. Son of man has not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Nor do I. But then he also said what? Go and sin no more. Our God is a God of a second chance. Father God, I pray that you will seal the message to our hearts today. Help young people, dear Lord, who have never committed the sin of immorality to save themselves for the one they shall marry. Help those who are married to be true and faithful to their mates. Lord, I pray that you'll help those who need forgiveness and restoration to know that it is there in Christ. In his wonderful name, amen. And today as you've listened to Pastor Rogers, maybe you have questions about placing your faith fully in what Jesus accomplished for you. We'd love to offer an insightful resource on our website Go to lwf.org radio and click Find Answers. You'll discover resources and materials that will answer questions you may have about beginning a relationship with God. Now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message in its entirety, call us at 1-877-LOVE-GOD. Mention the title, Treasuring Marital Fidelity. This message is also part of the insightful series, Treasuring Family Values, for that complete six-message collection, call 877-LOVE-GOD, or you can order online at lwf.org radio. Or you can write us at Love Worth Finding, Box 38600, Memphis, Tennessee, 38183. You may not know you can also purchase our new Bible studies, much like this message, in our online store. For more on that, go to lwf.org. Slash radio. 
We have a responsibility to treasure marital fidelity. Remember your decision to depend upon Him. Remain devoted and develop your love for your spouse. Stay disciplined and determined. We're so glad you studied in God's Word with us today. Tune in next time for more Profound Truth Simply Stated by Adrian Rogers, right here on Love Worth Finding. Here's a note a listener shared on social media recently. I thank God for Love Worth Finding as you proclaim the uncompromising truth of God's Word to a world that's desperately in need of Jesus Christ. Well, at Love Worth Finding, that's our mission to draw people to Jesus and to help believers grow deeper in their faith. We do that by airing these messages and creating new tools and resources inspired by Pastor Roger's teaching. To thank you for your support right now, we'd love to send you our new Future for the Family Bible Study. Families are the foundation of human society and a reflection of God Himself. In this new study, we analyze the Bible's instructions for building and maintaining our families so that honoring Him begins in the home. Request this resource when you call with a gift at 1-877-LOVE-GOD or give online at lwf.org radio.